Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Syrupcast. My name is Daniel Bader and I am joined this week and most weeks by the lovely, behatted Douglas Soltis. How are you? Behatted this week and most weeks. And most weeks. Not, not recently though, you've been showing off your suave haircut. Can't your hat swag, all the time. Swag haircut. Also, it's um, a thousand bazillion degrees outside. It's so hot and yet you wore a cardigan to the office yesterday. Yeah, because you need call. to be cooler than everybody else. No, it's because in the morning I don't think it's going to be as hot as it becomes. It's Plus literally the, summer the still. Yeah, I know. So we're going to forego our usual um, sports-based pleasantries, unless you want to talk about tennis with me. No, but how about Canada dominating Argentina last night in the FIBAs? I beat like a bazillion points. I don't know uh, anything about that game. I think Tell me Andrew about that we- game. I think Andrew Wiggins ripped off someone's face with a dunk. Just, just dunked it right off. Oh, that's such a good face. Yeah, face dunking is the so future. So, what? Uh, explain the FIBAs. So, is it uh, like under a certain age, or is it is it like? Uh... No, the FIBA is like the big international basketball commission, and the FIBA stuff is it's like it's in Mexico, and it's a big warm up to the. Olympic Olympics. qualifications, right. or this is part of the Olympic qualifications. So I don't, I'm not sure if the U.S. is there because uh, having won the Olympics, I don't know if they need to be. They um, often just get a pass, I think, because they're better than everybody. Well, last year's winners don't have to do as many qualifying events, but like you know, Canada is there fighting against uh, a bunch of other North American countries to to stake their claim as a. Uh, Canadian competitor for the Olympics. So it's like, it, we're missing like uh, Tristan Thompson, but Andrew Wiggins and Corey Joseph are on the team, as well as a bunch of people who played at the Pan Ams, and uh, they're, doing, they're doing pretty okay. So how many Canadians are in the NBA? Uh, like 10. That's pretty good. You, I would say can... that's probably better than, probably better than uh, it was 10 years ago. Holy crap, yeah, it was just Steve Nash, man. Um, and uh guy used to play for the Sixers. Uh, yeah, oh, Allen so, Iverson. Yeah, him. Philly! <laughs> um, I miss Iverson. Yeah. He's like the John McEnroe of basketball players. If, if we told Iverson stories on this pod, it would have been an after say, I'm sorry. pod. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's an explosion. You can, like, field an entire team now with just Canadian players, and it would be dope. So this, this is what Steve Nash and Vince Carter hath wrought in our country, because all these kids are, like, 10 years younger than us and can jump twice as high. That's amazing. I actually, I came across a, a three-point uh, tournament uh, on the Esplanade a few weeks ago, 
and it was awesome. It was, you know, big guys look like they play pretty pretty well and then like five-year-olds basically just like trying to get it in the hoop and loving it. It was amazing. It was like a community event. The um Esplanade Basketball Association or something I want to say, but it was it was beautiful to watch. <laughs> Please tell me it was called Getting It in the Hoop and Loving It because that is a great for like a What's the acronym sports? for that? Uh, someone in the someone in the comments, please just do that for us. Please, ha- please make that happen. So uh, let's let's start. Um, we've now gotten five minutes into this, and not a word of uh, anything yeah. mobile has been spoken. Yeah, that's the test. That's that's what you guys have to put up with if you want the glorious pod delivered to you once a week. I picture people like putting on the pod while they're doing their dishes, and like for the for the first while they're like. They have this really hard pan that they need to scrub, so they scrub really hard. And the ones that don't really care about the first few minutes, you know, the sports podcast stuff, they'll just, like, scrub really hard and just, like, get really into it. And then when they're done with that, then they'll start, you know, gingerly washing the plates, cutlery, you know, paying attention. That's how I think of it. Are you saying that we need more hot takes or less? Oh, I I could do another podcast with you just on non-mobile related hot takes hot takes i don't think that brooklyn pizza is very good Ooh, north of brooklyn you mean whatever any of the brooklyn's but that's really getting like local like nobody will really know about that toronto is all of canada we're just gonna talk shout about out sue saint marie yeah sure um so so what's blackberry good? did something this morning they uh bought a competitor for uh, $445 million. It's a lot of millions. And they bought the competitor after having publicly sparred with them, as many competitors do. Um, and we'll talk about that in a second. So they acquired this company for, sorry, $425 million in cash. And a lot of people didn't really, if they haven't been paying attention to BlackBerry, they may have thought that the company was a little bit uh, less flush than it actually is, but they had about $3 billion in uh, cash lying around that they've been hoarding for a few years. Yeah, they have cash. And this was their biggest acquisition since 2010 when they bought Cunix. And as you know, Cunix was the um, foundation for the playbook, for BlackBerry 10, and for a lot of the connected car uh mm-hmm connected car solutions that you see today cunix is a very powerful platform good is also a very powerful platform uh heavily ios focused so they did a a survey of their six thousand uh customers in august i was just reading this and um 71 of those customers connect to goods um services and network through i through ios mm-hmm. but um that's diminishing so ios used to be much higher for them Android is now improving, and so is Windows. So interesting stats, but Good is about as far from sort of BlackBerry's uh, customer base in terms of hardware as, uh, as, as anybody could get. So this is a really interesting acquisition for them because they do many of the same things. Uh, device management, containerization, um, auto billing, mm-hmm. um, you know, these kinds of like de facto, if I need to deploy thousands of devices to my workforce and control them from one centralized location, here's a solution for that. Uh, so it's it's really interesting. Um, 
but I mean, you like you worked at BlackBerry. You sort of you may have a, an interesting take on this. Well, so prior to why... even working at BlackBerry, I've been covering kind of like good as a BlackBerry competitor since like 2004, 2005, right? And uh, if you want to see something hilarious, readers, go to Inside BlackBerry, do a search for good, um, see see the most recent announcement, and then scroll down just a little bit to see some of the other posts uh, that BlackBerry uh, deemed it worthy enough to write on 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 good uh so it's i think it's pretty fair to say that not only have they been competitors they've been somewhat nemeses for the past 10 years for a lot of obvious reasons in terms of producing similar products and then some behind the re- scene reasons which i will not <laughs> speak about on this podcast um but so this is an interesting acquisition because you're right it is the biggest thing most most of the companies that blackberry has acquired uh under chen's tenure have been small companies that provide uh, very specific service that kind of fills a gap in their portfolio, whereas with good, there is an overlap in the portfolio. So when you have a situation like that, um, one of the obvious things you're doing, you're buying customers, you're buying market share, you're buying a base um, for which you can sell your uh, um, services in your portfolio. Uh, you're obviously buying a bunch of development talent with experience in that, and there might be um, some opportunities with, you know, if it's an, a not complete overlap, uh, taking some of their services and packaging them. So I haven't I haven't fully gone through the uh, executive Q and A between Marty Beard and uh, Christy Wyatt that they have um, explaining this. But generally, when when you have this kind of uh, acquisition, that's you know, it's it's a great way for BlackBerry to really own this market and its revenue. And and we have to we have to say that as of recording this happened like less than an hour ago. So totes. Um we don't have all of the details. But what's interesting is on Wikipedia there's a list of acquisitions made by Blackberry and they're up to um two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen, sixteen, eighteen, twenty, twenty two acquisitions throughout uh its life. Um and the first seven so of of the first seven, six of them were Canadian companies. They acquired companies that you may have remembered from the Java-based BlackBerry days like Torch Mobile. Obviously, they they used that to create the WebKit browser in VB7. Vigo, Plasmic. which they used to mm. uh, integrate uh, sort of like a news aggregation uh, RSS platform. Uh, Chalk Media, they acquired um, Dash Navigation for their their GPS stuff. Uh, they acquired documents to go. If you remember, that's how they they started acqu- uh, they bundling a lot of those productivity services. And then over the course of the last five years, they haven't acquired a single Canadian company. Uh, they acquired Scoreloop for social gaming in 2011, Ubitex, which is actually was a competitor to um, to Good. Uh, they acquired that for an undisclosed amount, but it was a much smaller company. Mm-hmm. JCut, a video editing suite. New Bay, which was a content provider they paid $100 million for outside yeah. from, from Ireland. I don't yeah. remember that. What was that? Uh, well, it was part of the disaster of BlackBerry trying to be a total ecosystem. So, <laughs> Fair uh, enough. Yeah, that, that one was... I, I, can't, I can't actually comment too much on that. Uh, that. That was still under my tenure. So then we start getting into the, the more interesting ones. Paratech, they bought in 2012... And they started integrating 
the antenna and um, multi-band RF technology Paratech owned into their handset. So the the Q thir- the, the Z30, um, which was BlackBerry's biggest device to date when it debuted in 2013, had this really interesting microphone setup where if your if your uh, if your mouth was far away from the regular mic, it would start mm-hmm. picking up your um, and transferring your voice to the he- to the headpiece mic. Like if say you're you're you somehow like if you were lying down and your mouth wasn't close to the main microphone, it it would automatically adjust its um, gain on the other mics in the phone. Mm-hmm. and make you sound just as good as you would if you were talking normally. It's it's really an amazing technology, and they've integrated it into a bunch of other f- phones yeah. since then. It's 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 the um, phone in your hand versus phone on the table for a conference call scenario, right? Correct, like, yeah. So Bla- they, BlackBerry was the last mobile company to care about call quality. Well, and we'll get back to that because um, we're, we're going to talk a bit about platforms and, and chat platforms later in the show. Ugh. But um, Sorry. What's interesting about that is that I think the phone call is making a bit of a comeback, but not in the way that you think. So we'll talk about that a bit later. Um, then they acquired SecuSmart, which was a German company focused mm-hmm. on voice and data encryption. Uh, Chancellor Merkel you know, reportedly uses the service to encrypt her phone that the U.S. broke into mm-hmm. anyway. Uh, MoVirtue, a virtual SIM solution. We talked about that on a previous podcast. This is really interesting. It allows companies to deploy multiple numbers with a single SIM card using, um, using basically software. And uh, WatchDocs, which was an Israeli company that we don't really know too, too much about, but it was earlier this year, um, an enterprise data sync and share solution so it's basically a cloud dropbox competitor but for enterprise companies yeah so ad hoc these these companies now are the companies acquired mostly under chen's tenure that relate to filling in the gaps of the security portfolio so if if readers want to go check out the the last write-up i did on their blackberry security summit which was like two months back these were the companies that were there speaking about uh security and and Security, but then also like data portability, like the uh, the the dual SIM software as a as a work play solution as well. So, finally, and we won't um, linger on this too much. Ad hoc, and I love this idea. I love ad hoc. Um, ad hoc is basically a, a crisis management solution. So, in uh, earthquakes, hurricanes, this company allows the um allows people to get in touch very quickly using a number of of automated um automated you know ways so in a sense they they f- they make it they make you reachable in times where you may not be reachable and and the, yeah bet- and they make information yeah so between government agencies or emergency scenarios like this so it's it's like the it's like blackberry bought a company to replicate and enhance what happened during 9-11 where their devices were the only devices that could communicate based upon some old network tech that they could support through uh pin-to-pin messaging right uh, which but this is this isn't that i mean this is ip based but this is more broadcast so ad hoc will allow people to broadcast messages uh sort of like the way that we get amber alerts on our phones so um, they have that they have that similar thing set up within the ecosystem. So if your company subscribes to it, 
you, you know, if you're the if you're the administrator, you're the network um, emergency contact. You can blast out where to meet. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, in case there's there's a reason to to congregate somewhere. So a lot of really interesting strategic acquisitions by BlackBerry, and this one kind of tops them all off because Good has its own ecosystem, right? It has a ton of apps that support Good. I know a, a lot of people whose companies use it, and um, you know they've often talked about switching over to Bez, but Bez has been a bit expensive, and this is just uh, another another way to to solve that problem. Well, it'll be interesting to see how BlackBerry integrates good or whether they keep them independent at least for the time being. I think I think this is one of those scenarios where it's in BlackBerry's best interest to rip them to shreds and sell their product. Like, you know, BlackBerry's not big enough that they can be fine with brand dilution in a way that say facebook buying instagram is fine um especially in an enterprise scenario i don't think it's entirely necessary um and if you're if you're buying their customers you know you just make it could be good powered by blackberry or something like that but it'll all become it'll have a blackberry such and such suite or blackberry you know like the the company's typical naming uh system eventually i i I don't see good living as a as a corporate identity for too long. Well, a lot of it has to do with the fact that BlackBerry promised about half a billion dollars in software-based revenue. Uh, Chen, rather, promised this uh, by the end of um, fiscal 2016. Mm-hmm. And the the fact that Good makes its money entirely on software is is an important step to getting there yeah buying it is one way to do it (laughs) buying revenue is one way to get revenue yeah and i mean that's that's kind of a long-term play but obviously um i think a lot of this has to do with the fact that if blackberry decides to get out of making bb10 based devices and moving to android and we've spoken about this before um you know there's no question that the venice slider is real we've seen in like we've seen real world leaks now, not just renders. We've seen um, you know, short promo videos they've done for it. I mean, this phone is coming. Whether, you know, it, it is successful or not is is besides the point, but BlackBerry's gonna market the hell out of it. And having a really robust Android based MDM uh company in its uh in its stable is is actually quite useful for them. Yeah, well, but like I said, the counter argument or part of it though is that you could say that with uh, they already had the MDM solution for Android with the Bez Twelve stuff, right? Because it could, it could, it can manage um, Android and iPhone as well as it can BlackBerry Ten. Uh, but yes, like I guess if if you're you're right, is if the you know the control of a BlackBerry Ten device has always been higher than say an Android or an iOS device. So if they go they go more into Android, owning all these Android specific security services might give them like a similar similar advantage. Yeah, um, and I, I I don't think I don't think Chen cares where now that they own good or when they own good, I don't think Chen cares who you know which company you get your service from as long as the revenue's going into his pocket. Yes, totally. Totally. And that's I that's that's why I think that this is you know, we listed off those imperatives. It's it's they're buying revenue. They're buying a customer base. 
But they're also buying long-term stability because the more competitors they can take out, I mean, this is basically like Just Eat buying all of its competitors in every local market, right? BlackBerry has um, strengths in in certain regions, and Good has strengths in a lot of regions that BlackBerry doesn't. So yeah. I think that especially in the US where Bez isn't as big as it could be, especially among um corporations, I know that they have a pretty good uh business they, they have a pretty good government penetration, but in terms of uh companies themselves, I think Good still has uh, a lot more they they have a lot more trust and a lot more of a compelling product, especially in terms of mobile. So this is just what I'm hearing. Totally. Uh, no. Yeah, I, I think you're I think you're totally right. I think uh it, it's it it allows BlackBerry to accelerate its software sales goals beyond what it could do just building up its own like you know, like at the security summit, we were just talking about this. Like they were just at the point where like, hey, we've built this portfolio of things. Now we have to figure out how to sell it. Well, you know, the 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 clock is running. <laughs> You know, if you can, if you can, if you have what, like two billion in the bank, and you can spend uh, an eighth of that to buy a company already selling through, and put that on your ledger, cool. That is a smart and aggressive and a super Chen move. Super Chen. Yeah, uh, he is kind of a superhero, actually. Well, Just in terms of his his honesty and his, you know, he's so forthcoming about. The company's strengths and weaknesses. He is very direct about what's going on, uh, but I think I think you'll actually probably see uh, that change. So, like when Chen comes in, he's in a position where everyone knows exactly what's wrong with BlackBerry, or they know that things are wrong with BlackBerry, but they don't know to what extent. For cre- for Chen to have any credibility, he's got to come in and say, "Listen, I've looked at the books. This is what's going on. Uh, investment community, customers, you know me. You know what I've done before. Trust me. This is what we're gonna do." Because it's been a very long time since anyone's looked at BlackBerry's leadership with anything other than contempt, right? So uh, he has—he was forced to be as honest as possible so that they would trust him, that, that he was actually serious about turning things around. I think as BlackBerry gets more in a—develops a, a greater position of strength, he's going to uh, button up the vest in terms of future plans and, and what's going on because uh, being— as as honest as as he's been would be a competitive disadvantage. Well, m- no, I I don't think that's true. I don't think he discloses anything that he doesn't need to or or you know that he shouldn't. I think that given BlackBerry's you know very Canadian nature in and by Canadian I mean it's considered a very boring company from the consumer perspective these days. The fact that he gets in the press so often by making statements that pr- the press loves they he's unpredictable he goes off script he's a bit like you know he's it, it's sort of like the rise of the celebrity ceo and he's about as celebrity a ceo as an enterprise company can get and the reason that Fair. people love talking about him is um you know sort of the only way that they get to talk about blackberry in in like I, I remember, I read a thing on Recode the other day where John Chen spoke to Ina Freed about um, handsets. You know, everybody loves to hate on BlackBerry's handset business, but at the same time, 
for a company with such a tiny market share, I mean, less than 1% worldwide now, mm-hmm. they get talked about from a handset perspective so much more than, say, a ZTE or a, I mean, obviously, ZTE is, is a Chinese-based company, but I mean, we're talking about brand recognition here. Yeah. So he does a lot to stoke the fires of the Blackberry's, of Blackberry's consumer business, even though it's such a minute part of its overall uh, sales goal. And he does that knowing that we're just going to jump all over it. And people yeah. love talking about Blackberries. I mean, everybody who I've spoken to about this v- Venice slider um, is excited about it, even though they don't know why. They don't know why <laughs> they want a BlackBerry with a keyboard with a running Android. They're just like, I think I love it, and I think I want one. But it's because it's BlackBerry's the only company making phones that are different from any other phone. Like, we talked about this with the Passport. It's like, hey, remember, remember in the late 2000s when every company had a different take on what a phone should be? Like, BlackBerry's the last company with a different take on what a phone should be. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And we've, we've talked about, you know, Chen is very, very smart about waving a phone in people's face to then talk about secu- uh, security and software. I'm, ju- I'm just saying that, like, um, as that becomes less of a necessity, you'll probably see Chen do that less. Um, or he'll most certainly continue to go off script and be a maverick or whatever uh, that BS narrative is. But uh, in terms of being super upfront about the company's capabilities what it can and what it can't do you know like he's been very honest like i'm not sure we can do this stuff anymore i still need to find out if we can make money in these markets things like that i think those types of statements you'll see but he owns it i mean i what i what i think is so interesting about it is that he owns it he takes personal responsibility for it the way that a lot of um the way that a lot of people, you know, don't. As, as CEOs, they defer. They say, you know, the enterprise, the, 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 the company is, is doing this. The company is doing that. Chen goes, I, I am going to be in the handset business as long as I can make money. I'm going to make strategic acquisitions if they yeah. make sense for BlackBerry in the long term. Even though we know that Chen, he is looking to sell the company if that's necessary that he is looking to lay people off if that's necessary i mean he personally takes the responsibility because as a ceo should he is the person who lives and dies by the company's decisions no i hear you and that's 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 a strong observation and i think that there's even more to that as well with not only just his his performance as a as a, a leader and like you know what it means to do those things, but then also the reasons for why maybe he came to that company. Absolutely, right? and I mean it's the a, fact that he's always bringing come back like Jordan wearing the four five. It's not to play ex- games explain. with you; it's to aim at you, probably maim you. I'm blowing you to smithereens. I can't say the rest of the rap. Uh, just Jay Z, you know. Like uh-huh. Michael Jordan coming back for the Wizards, being like, uh, I already did this at other companies. I'm like older now. I don't really want to retire. Can I make BlackBerry work again? Wow, if I did that, that would be pretty badass. Also, let me hire in all my former executive team and, and help get them paid. Except the, the interesting part is that because like Jordan, Jordan's a business, right? Michael Jordan is a business and... Um, this is a bit of an aside, but he just won a lawsuit against a small U.S.-based grocery chain for using his his likeness and his name to in in one of their brosh in one of their um, what was it coupon books or brochures or um, weekly 
specials, pamphlets, and they won. He won for, uh, and he got nine million dollars out of this uh, grocery chain. I think it was Safeway. And um, the reason that he won was because he is a brand. He is a likeness, and similar, uh, similarly to you know BlackBerry's keyboard, you know they they won against Typo because there's no other company doing what BlackBerry does. Well, no, they won against Typo because they have a legitimate case and mountains of patents related to keyboards, and Typo basically sold themselves as being a BlackBerry keyboard you could slide onto your iPhone, right? Right. So- no, I, I know that. But, I mean, there's there's Frand, and then there's you know copyright infringement, and there's patent infringement. And the expectation, and I'm not a, I'm not a patent lawyer, disclaimer, but from Thank what I understood God. about that is it wasn't just about the patents. Uh, it was about because the typo keyboard was a piece of crap. I mean, it wasn't yeah. it wasn't a matter of typo ripping off BlackBerry's keyboard and having it work just as well. This wasn't this was a a design ripoff. This this was typo yes. going. They're going after. I'm the going brand. to make a keyboard that looks exactly like the BlackBerry keyboard. And BlackBerry goes, "There's no way." that this would ever be construed as a BlackBerry or mistaken for a BlackBerry keyboard because it's a piece of crap. Yeah, and you're devaluing our brand by even like totally. creating associations. And it's the same yeah. thing, right? Like no, Michael Jordan you. needs to go out and attack, even though I may not agree with how viciously he does it. Well, vicious is- or like you have a legal obligation, right? Because if you don't defend yourself against uh, IP or, or property theft, that can actually hurt you in future cases where you really want to do it. Yeah, like that, that, and that's something that I learned at BlackBerry. It's like if someone's using your brand, your trademark brand, in a way that they're not supposed to be, and you don't go after them for you for it, um, you create a scenario where you have been demonstrably not protecting that, and it can weaken your case in future instances. But I think the more interesting question uh, is like whose whose brand is better right now, Blackberries or Chen's? Who? Which is which is a more respected brand, and, and, and I would say it's the, probably the other, Chen's. You know, the the ancillary question to that is: should they be interchangeable? Does Chen represent BlackBerry, or when he goes out, does he represent himself? And I mean, obviously, he represents <clears throat> BlackBerry officially, but is Chen? Um, you know, should Chen decide to sell off BlackBerry to somebody else and go save yet another company? Um, will he? Is is there any soul in the relationship? It, is he invested in BlackBerry as a company, or did he just come in as a fixer and then you know he's basically going to try to do this all over again in a couple of years? Oh, don't get fired, Douglas. Um, so I would say that let's just put it this way: the the context and the scenario through which Chen became the CEO of this company dictates that. Chen and BlackBerry are not as interchangeable as, say, uh, Elon Musk is with Tesla or Steve Jobs was with Apple, simply because it wasn't his baby, right? Totally. He's, he's, a Merc, he's a Merc CEO brought in to fix things. Um, and, that, and that's not like, like a, a flaw or a problem. That's just like, you know, how things, how things go. It's he's all, Sean Penn in 90% of the movies that Sean Penn has been in. I would say he... I will, I was going to say Kevin Bacon, but you're Sean Penn. That's, that's a very interesting... Um, I trust Sean Penn far more than Kevin Bacon. Well, yeah, I know. That's, that's, that's what I'm saying. But I, I would say he's more like whatever token British actor. He's like Ben Kingsley. You want to class up this picture? Bring in Ben Kingsley. 
class it up. I would say that he's more like Jason Statham, where he comes in and just kills a bunch of like random, you know, like non. Go see, go see Spy just to see Jason Statham rip off one-liners and just take over that movie. Yeah, I'd like to see it. It's, it's, it looks it's really rent- good. It's got to be on demand by now. It's it's just just watch the Statham stuff. Uh, okay, so let's let's move on. Um, we have so we have a we have a BlackBerry question though. We want to answer this question from Mike Attrell. What's up, Mike Attrell? Yo, so actually, let's uh, let let's introduce Mike. So Mike is um, is our our own Rob Attrells or Attrells. I, I apologize if I messed it up. You can correct me. Cousin, uh, I believe Mike lives in Calgary um, at Blot. No, I'm just joking. I don't know your address. Um, <laughs> and uh, he podcasts with uh, with our own Rob. Um, who writes for us uh, occasionally. Rob just got married and is putting out an amazing article today on his um, iPhone 6 photo experience in Hawaii where he went on honeymoon. So uh, Mike and Rob have a bunch of podcasts um, whose names I embarrassingly don't know offhand. Um, but one <laughs> is, uh, I think one's called Ottawat. No, Mike doesn't do that one. Just Google um, it. It's on the internet, guys. It's, 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 I, I would Google it, but every time I Google... Every time no, I do something to my not computer, you. they should Google it. They oh, can you find they it. should Google it. Yeah. Um, but uh, every time I do something on my computer while I podcast, it messes it up. So I don't want to do anything. That said, uh, we'll read the question now. If you haven't already tuned out, would people be more accepting of BB devices, BlackBerry devices, if they were purchased by an Asian company like Huawei, then marketed under the Huawei name, but using the same hardware or software? People's knee jerk reactions. My own included, not me. Mike's seem to detract from those pro- from the products. Uh, I I think that every company has these sort of built-in um, uh, biases, and and I don't think that would change with Huawei buying BlackBerry or any other company buying BlackBerry. I think BlackBerry is is perceived very differently in Canada than it is anywhere else in the world. Oh, we yeah. still have a very patriotic future chat sorry future chat that's what you talk so look up future chat um i think that i think that huawei i mean like we we heard about lenovo thinking of buying blackberry i I know that there were actual talks happening and it wasn't just fluff i know that the canadian government never would have let lenovo buy blackberry and i don't think any asian company would ever be allowed to buy blackberry uh but that's just because but keep with Le- Lenovo and Lenovo and Motorola and the fact that the Motorola brand remains the same. And I, yeah, I think and, it's I, not and I, as- I think that BlackBerry has cachet, and I think John Chen has done a good job re-farming some of the good, the good feeling towards BlackBerry. But the thing is, the good feeling towards BlackBerry is in the enterprise space, and that doesn't really apply to the consumer space very much. And people who used to use their Curve 8100s, you know, or Pearl or sorry, Pearl 8100s, Curve 8300s, you know, Bolds, whatever, they have a very personal connection to them. And many people on the consumer side remember when, you know, it was just BBM that got them through the day. Mm. Uh, But if they were to go back to that today, they would not have the same experience. No, because the game doesn't change. But I would say that it just, it's not necessarily a knee-jerk reaction. It's more of a Malcolm Gladwell uh, blink reaction, where all these experiences um kind of soak up into one thin slice perception of a company right 
Um, no one knee jerks about BlackBerry anymore because BlackBerry is not doing things for them to react to. It's more of the that history that Daniel just so uh, eloquently talked about being carried with them in the all future impressions. So to, for another company to buy that brand and just slap a new name on it, uh, I think I think you're you're mitigating what Daniel was talking about before with you know Chen be able to getting a lot of conversation about a company that only owns one percent of the market share, but you're not getting any benefit from it. So um, I, I don't I, I would think that even if they were acquired, someone would keep the the BlackBerry brand. Hell, there's like Nokia is going after. Like the Nokia brand still exists, and it's not even the same Nokia, right? So there's but there's I mean, equity think in about it like this. brand. If Cisco today went out and bought, uh, you know, Juniper Systems, or they went they went out and bought um, some other MDM solution like uh, like mm-hmm. Sodi, like uh, there, there's a company based in Mississauga called Sodi. They do MDM. They're pretty well known. They're they're doing a good job. If Cisco bought Sodi, would The Verge? report on it would cnet report on it would we report on it well unless taylor swift writes an album about it it's not going on the verge but so uh, i mean that's that's the thing is that all those sites including us reported this acquisition of blackberry well it's no but if, if ibm and cisco like decided to fight to a death in a thunderdome the verge would write about it i think but but that's again that's the difference it's like you know BlackBerry, for as much as it's moving out of it, still has its toe in the consumer world. Um, and, in, in, and this is kind of why in this scenario that, like, if, if BlackBerry was to rip up Goods brand and just absorb it in, no one's going to really care because in the enterprise space, everyone's going to know that, like, oh, oh, BlackBerry owns Good now, but it's the same thing or whatever. There's, there's no broad-facing equity there. Whereas in the consumer space, people, like, companies year after year spend millions of dollars to make sure that when you hear a brand name from like from taco bell to doritos that you have the right knee-jerk association with it uh because it's very hard to get in front of people and get to get them to care about things or to have a, a reaction to things um so that i think that's why in the consumer space um you see these brands re- remaining even if they haven't been delivering Absolutely. Shout out Joel Rushworth drinking coffee on the West Coast. Left Coast, I like that. The sinister coast. So let's let's move on a bit. Let's let's talk some consumer tech. Um this week was is IFA in Berlin. It's the uh the time that time of the year where all all of the phones get announced. But this year has been a little bit quieter on the phone front, and uh we'll talk a little bit about that in a second. But a lot of it has to do with uh, smartwatches. So Samsung announced its Note 5 and Galaxy S6 mm-hmm. Edge <clears throat> Plus Pro Sunshine uh, last month, and they released it at the end of the month. And that was to give a bit more uh, runway to its wearable this month, and that was the Gear S2. And a lot of people dismissed Samsung's previous w- smartwatches for good reason, because they were mostly just bad. but this smartwatch actually has a lot of uh, a lot going for it. So it's a round smartwatch. It runs Tizen, which is Samsung's sort of not. They don't own it. Hard but pass. They, they have a very large stake in it. Um, and Tizen actually has improved a lot over the past few years. 
and this one looks particularly good. But what's really interesting about it is that they decided not to go garish. They decided to do what they did with the S6, simplifying, slimming down, making sure that the fundamentals are there. And what's really interesting is that it has a rotating bezel that is used to navigate through the UI. Now, obviously, the similarities to the digital crown on the Apple Watch are there, but it's not a ripoff of the digital crown. And from what I've seen, although I haven't actually used the smartwatch, it could actually be a better input mechanism than the than the uh, digital crown, even though I think it looks a little bit more garish in the sense that it surrounds the bezel of the of the smartwatch. And as a result, it adds to its size a little, but not too, too much. Um, I'm looking forward to trying it. And I think that if they get the developer support that they claim, a thousand developers are on board with a thousand apps, um, a hundred made in conjunction with Samsung. So more uh, like more solutions specifically for the watch. If they can continue that, then they have uh, the potential to do quite well. Unfortunately, as we know with, with you know Samsung's quote unquote app ecosystem, they haven't really done a great job in the past keeping developers interested. So they'll announce something with a bunch of developer support. And then if it's not specifically made for android it'll just peter yeah. out now uh that is that has the potential here but the thing is that this the gear s2 has android compatibility now it's not just compatible with samsung devices so any android phone running android 4.4 kitkat or above with 1.5 gigs of ram minimum gets to use the um the samsung gear s2 so who knows? It could be good. We don't know pricing yet. We don't know when it's coming specifically. We do know that it's coming to Canada in October, uh, which is a little bit later than it did uh, than the you know than the Moto 360 and, a, and the Huawei watch and a bunch of other watches that were announced. But those were Android Wear watches. So why buy an Android Wear watch today? Well, it now has iPhone compatibility. It's now a lot faster. It's the one that it's developers are actually going to make apps for. And the developers creating Android apps uh, don't really have to do a whole lot to add Wear compatibility. So that's a big deal. Um, but Android Wear is still not very good. I mean, it's useful in some cases, but it's it's just not a very robust smartwatch OS just yet. It's not very attractive. The Google Now cards come and go as they please. And there doesn't seem to be anything sort of keeping people interested in it in the long term other than as a smart as a notification yeah. hub so who knows but maybe that's what the smartwatch will just end up being right uh I mean, well then what? no one's gonna like in in a world in which tablet sales are flat or declining and a tablet is can actually be a useful device because it, people don't necessarily need it because of their laptop big phone portfolio for a smartwatch to just be notification triage, it will never catch on. Like we're still like we're still at the point where like you need a reason to own a smartwatch. And especially if it's a smartwatch that doesn't run any Android apps. Like even and like Android developers have a hard enough time being Android developers. Are they really gonna go like port their app over for just Samsung's slew of devices? Like how how well, amazing how of a smartwatch would this have to be for an Android developer to be like, well, we really got to get on that hot new Samsung device rather than clicking a button and deploying to all the Android Wear devices, which still haven't even proven uh, to be viable 
like for as much as people have been lamenting uh apple watch sales and how it's a quote-unquote failure it's still taken like what is it like two out of two two out of every three smartwatches sold or an apple watch right now well it's so um i think it was comscore or gartner just put out a report saying that Apple Watch now comprises 20% of the wearables market, and that's after one quarter. But they lump Fitbit in with the wearables, obviously. Mm-hmm. So Apple Watch is more expensive, uh, it does more, and not everybody has an iPhone, whereas Fitbit is compatible with Black with uh, Android, iOS, Windows Phone, not BlackBerry. And they have a much more well-known brand when it comes to fitness tracking. So I don't know if it's fair to lump it in with the, uh, with the Fitbits and Garmin's and them, but it's a very, I mean, it's a very nice stat. We don't know what, you know, how well the, the new Android Wear devices are going to do. The first generation. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. ...devices were, were very first-gen, right? Like, the Moto 360 was nice, but it didn't perform well. Its battery was crap. The first uh, couple Android Wear devices from LG and Samsung were just bad. I mean, the the G Watch was basically a technology demo that was released to the yeah. public. Uh, the Gear Live was Samsung's apology to Google, <laughs> basically saying, <laughs> "We're just going to throw this out there in our Gear Two wow. uh, body." Can you, can you and, change and, the and, like, old mobile syrup review to just just have it say Samsung's apology to Google? I didn't review it because it broke. It broke after about two weeks. This, the charger, the Samsung used to have these clip-on mm, chargers, yeah. um, and the one of the pieces of plastic broke, and it never charged again. So it's sitting here in my in my office, just like waiting for me to throw it away. So I think I'm going to do that after the podcast. It's going to be like it's going to be therapeutic. Periscope it while you do um, it too. <laughs> but then LG released a couple of new new watches. They have the Watcher Bane, the G Watch R. Uh, Huawei's just announced a really nice rounded watch that that looks to be very nice, uh, very professional mm-hmm. looking. And Moto 360. So the new Moto 360, I I tried this week in New York, and I have to say it's it's beautiful. It's really really nice. They've got two design, uh, two sizes. They've got a women's line with some really nice uh, bands, thinner bands that um, uh, and and some really great variety. Uh, you know, sort of dressing up and dressing down type of bands. The the guys leather the 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 men's leather straps are are just really well made they they have horween leather the lugs are now visible batteries bigger performance issues have been you know overcome like these are the kinds of de facto things that you have to do in your second gen uh but i think at the end of the day uh we you know android wear is just good enough it's got iphone compatibility now like there are things that android wear has gotten to uh that a year ago i would have said don't even bother. Now I'm saying, look, if you have an Android phone and you're looking for a decently priced smartwatch that also looks like a watch, go with that. So it's sort of like a 
like a shrug emoji. Like, okay, sure. It's, if yeah. you want one, get one. But maybe wait another year because you, you don't need trending one Trending towards happy face emoji. Yeah, trending towards happy face emoji with like the one tear just like oh. out. <laughs> like the hanging wist- there. wistful emoji? Uh, I just saw an ant in my apartment. I've had uh, I've had ant uh, infestations um, over the past like every summer for the past four years, and I thought I'd gotten rid of all the ants, and I just saw one. So I'm like silently freaking out right now. Hey man, it's okay. I hate ants so much. Uh, let me tell you the history of the pharaoh ant. <laughs> uh, the pharaoh ant is literally the hardest ant to get rid of, befitting its because name because they're tiny. And they, when their uh, colonies are threatened, they split up and assign a new queen. So instead of getting rid of them entirely, you basically just create a hydra where you cut, chop off one head and two more appear. Uh, so you talk. I'm just going to kill this ant. All right. I, and as a vegetarian and someone who thinks ants are cute, I'm kind of rooting for the ants. Um, no. But, okay, so, uh, you know... Everyone enjoying this podcast, we know uh, you know that we love you to uh, rate this if you can on the the iTunes uh, store simply because it really helps with discovery. But when you when you give us that five star rating because we spit hot ant killing fire, uh, please please in your comment tell us why you would want a smartwatch in in late summer of 2015 and what what your current emoji status is on smartwatches in general. Because I'm, I'm still, I'm like still snoozing emoji, like just the Z's. Because there's, I'm, there's like, if you want to get on my wrist, you've got to put a ring on it. And that ring is a metaphor for being useful. And I don't think they are. If you want to be my lover. Got to get with my friends. You got to get with my friends. So um, I'm actually wearing the Pebble uh, Time Steel this morning. Yeah. Uh, if you're watching on Time the, on, on the video, video cast, the video cast, um, I kind of dig it. Um, it's it's really, it's got a beautiful leather strap, uh, really nicely made. But the Pebble, uh, when compared to the Apple Watch or kind of the Moto 360 or you know what looks like the Gear S2, it's just it's it's like a the UI is like a child's toys <laughs> UI, like a an old Tamagotchi that you you're you like you remember really fondly, but then you pick it up after 15 years and you're like, this thing has no reason to be this yeah. childish. Also, I'm and, sorry, and Tamagotchi, I, I, for not feeding you for 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> Is it still alive? Yeah. Probably not. Also, killing that ant felt really good, I just have to say. But now I'm gonna, now it's gonna, like, now they're gonna kill me. They're gonna, like, murder me in my sleep. Yeah, I'm still on Team um, Ant, man. Sorry. Oh, man. Yeah, it's hard out there for an ant. It's hard out there for an All right, so are we going to... Do we want to talk about uh, Watch OS 2? Because, like, the, the, the big... We, wa- we want to talk about smartwatches. We should actually talk about the smartwatch that people sometimes buy. People are buying. Yeah, um, so the, the, big, the big deal um, for... So next week, uh, Wednesday, is the Hey Siri, Give Me a Hint Apple event in San Francisco. And obviously iPhone 6S is going to be announced, 6S Plus. We know these things. We generally know what they're going to have, a uh, new processor, A9 chip, faster, more efficient, obviously. There Apple TV? Is, uh, sorry? Apple TV? Well, let, let, me, let me just finish the iPhone stuff. So there's 2 gigs of RAM, finally, 
which has been a, a problem for the larger iPhone. So basically, uh, a lot of people, you know, make fun of the iPhone for only having a gig of RAM, but you shouldn't have more RAM than you need in, in your computer. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's, and, and when I say computer, I mean, like, your smartphone doesn't need more RAM than, you, you shouldn't have more RAM in a smartphone than, than it needs. So having four gigs of RAM in a, in a, Gal- in a Note 5 is, is nice. But if uh, your OS is not efficiently using the RAM, then there's no point in having it. It's just taking up power. Mm-hmm. Um, the iPhone has always been really good at uh, dealing with um, memory management. It cuts things off. It cuts off apps uh, immediately after you press the home button. There are a few APIs that allow things to run in the background. But generally, uh, one gig has been okay um, for the latest devices. The iPhone 6 is fine because it has a lower-res screen. And things, uh, that, therefore, it doesn't need to keep as much in memory, like uh, Safari tabs, for example. But the iPhone 6 Plus with 1 gig of RAM has been a problem because it's a 1080p display and it stores a lot more in the memory and it doesn't perform as well mm-hmm. uh, with only 1 gig of RAM. And we've seen Apple increase it. Uh, the, it's released a, a device with 2 gigs of RAM, the iPad Air 2. Um, with an AA chip, and it works a lot better. So you, when you're browsing, you don't have to constantly refresh tabs. Apps lo- reload more more quickly and, and with more stability, and generally things just run smoother with 2 gigs of RAM. So getting there with the iPhones is going to be a big deal. Probably more of a big deal is the uh, new camera sensor that uh, is expected to debut with the iPhone 6S. It's 12 megapixels, going to have a, a wider aperture faster, better, blah, blah, blah. We'll see it next week. We'll know more about it then. But uh, Force Touch is probably the most user-facing, uh, important user-facing upgrade, as long as it's in- integrated well. Um, I don't know if they'll call it Force Touch. I hope they don't call it Force Touch. So we'll, well see. Well, the other name, the uh, other supposed name is as dumb. Right. But it's or it's oh, the um, deep pro- Joel the- Joel makes a good point. The 6 plus is not actually rendering uh so everything is rendered at uh it, it's rendered at 3x I believe, which is um a slightly higher resolution than 1080p and then it scales it down to 1080p to display it. So doing that processing also takes up uh, more RAM. So with the iPhone 6s plus expected to have the same 1080p resolution it's unlikely that Apple is going to make any changes to to that scheme. So, two gigs of RAM is also going to help mm-hmm. there. Thank you, Joel, for that. Um, Apple TV, yeah, I'm I'm excited about Apple TV. Apple TV is going to be an interesting change. They're supposed to be bringing an app store to the television and releasing a touch and gesture sensitive controller along with it. And I think the potential for really cool games is there. I don't know if Apple is going to invest in the ecosystem um, the way that Sony and Microsoft have. They're not going to court developers. I just think developers are... Well, I mean, they, they obviously court developers, but they're not going to seek out those exclusives because they don't need to. I mean, everybody loves making games for the iPhone and iPad because they make decent amounts of money. Totally. Um, and it could, be a great, it could be a great discovery like, hey... Uh, our app is free on Apple TV. Go buy it on your phone. Like, like there are the reasons why people, the reason why there are a ton of games in in the App Store now would lead you to believe that they will show up on Apple TV. Uh, especially if, oh yeah, if I mean, there's, is easy. 
like just just think about I, I mean I, I open up the Windows Store or the Microsoft Store on my Xbox One and I paid fifteen dollars for Pebble uh, Pebble for Peggle Unlimited. I love Peggle. I think Peggle is a great casual game. Um, you know, they've they've been making these kinds of games for years and they translate some of them translate better, uh, but there's definitely gonna be games like Angry Birds for TV. You may be able to buy one and deploy across all. Game Center will allow you to sync your your high scores and your leader leaderboards. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are kind of de facto obvious things that are going to happen. Um, what I what I think is really interesting is that if the controller is gesture sensitive, as uh, the rumors say, the, that's going to lead to some sort of uh, Wii type games that uh, allow you to use motion to control what's on the screen. Uh, a lot of those accelerometer like games that you play on the iPhone totally. just by tilting your phone. Yeah, that's going to be. Uh, very cool to see on the television. And I'm, you know, I would not be surprised if they even announce at some point the idea of using your iPhone or your tablet as a controller. And they they've done that already. I mean, you can do that over AirPlay now. You can do that over AirPlay now, really? Yeah, not a lot of games use it. But for example, um, one of my favorite trivia games is You Don't Know Jack, mm-hmm. and it's a game that you know they debuted like ten, fifteen years ago. Oh, like twenty years. Ago. I've been playing and- that in high school, son. Like 90s oh, 20, Even 20 years ago, yeah. Like, we're in t- almost 2016, you're right. So, um, they brought a, a version of You Don't Know Jack where you actually, you use your iPad as the screen, and you can airplay it to a television, mm-hmm. and then you use up to four iPhones as the buzzer. That's cool. So you can basically sit on your couch with a bunch of your friends, project it to your television, and then buzz in with your phone. And if everybody has an iPhone, it works really well. But we, you can also use an Android phone for why that. Why don't we do that because at the office, it. man? Like, we should be doing that all the time. <laughs> because we'd never get any work We done. should just be jacking all day. Yeah, I, I would love to jack all day. It would be, it would be my favorite yeah. thing in And the world. jacking as a team, I think, wow. It would bring... Well, I mean, I could jack you, and you could jack yeah. me, and, you know, it would be, it would be just like a full-on... You know, Patrick's new. I've, I've never even jacked with him before. No. No, it's... Uh, I mean, we'd have to sort of, um, you know, take it slow with him. Really build it up. We wouldn't want him to feel left out, but we don't want to scare him. So, okay, this is what happens when we do a podcast on a Friday instead of a Thursday. But, so, the reason why I asked about Apple TV is because my birthday is coming up, and... uh, It is? Yeah. When's your birthday? Uh, Next week. What? Yeah, and my mom... What day? I don't know, a day. Oh, like, the September 10th is my birthday. Sorry. Um... And my mother, like, has, like, an aneurysm every year if she can't think of something to get me and, like, forces me to decide. And being a grown-ass man, I don't really need anything other than love. But uh, this year, my lovely girlfriend suggested an Apple TV because... Uh, oh, is that why you asked about the... the uh, yeah, yeah, the region the stuff. The US yeah. TV. Um, so, oh. you know, the one thing that I'm really missing is a convenient way to watch stuff on my, on my big screen that isn't on Netflix. And obviously... Have, only having a 360 in the house we've started to get into apple tv to watch the last season of Madman because it's not on netflix yet and uh we have to do that on my laptop because i have a dumb tv and uh the 360 is really dumb about what files it'll play um so i thought an apple tv would be a great thing for my mom to buy me that i could just totally buy myself but i think it would be a great thing for your mom yeah. to buy you too yeah. she's she's already like i need all the details Little Douglas. What are the specs and the sizes? And I'm like, Mom, you literally just have to wait a week. Your mom says the word specs? I think, no, yeah, she's a, she's, she follows. I got her into Foursquare. She does stuff. 
Um, Sweet. Your mom's amazing. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, let's let's answer a couple of questions sure. uh, on the, on the side here. Joel's uh, Joel's asking, do you think the rumors of no sapphire lens cover and a smaller battery likely to be true? Uh, absolutely not. Apple would not release a device with a smaller battery. Uh, if anything, it would it would increase the thickness of the phone slightly to make it a bigger battery. But I, um, and I and I say this knowing that Apple tries to make their phone make their devices thinner with every release. Um, I don't think that they're going to make them thicker this year. But if, for example, they like remember with the iPad three, they increased the thickness because they needed more battery because the screen at the time was so um, mm-hmm. was so processor heavy. So. They needed to do that. I don't think it'll be thicker. I think, I think from, from what I've heard, they'll be identical in every way. Sapphire lens cover on the, dis- on the, on the camera, but not the display um, and other niceties. Are we like at a that. scenario where they can... So the, the new MacBook Airs have really cool um, like beveled battery technology so that they could take advantage of more of the, the curved space within the laptop, right? So that they, would, they could have yeah. like, like a... Uh, battery pancake stack, and I'm and I'm wondering, like, are are we reaching a point where we could see that tech in the in the smartphone, so they could maybe, um, keep it thin, or or if it's curved, perchance, still take advantage of extra space there. I don't see why they would have to, um, if only because there's less space for them to work. I mean, basically, the iPhone right now is is most smartphones in general are just big batteries. Like, mm. if you take them out. Uh, the the actual um, motherboards are getting considerably thinner and, and and smaller, and the chips themselves are getting sp- thinner and smaller. If the A9 chip is uh, is built on a 14 nanometer process, which I don't think it is, but it, it's probably going to be built on a 20 nanometer process. I think that everything is just going to shrink a little bit more, which will give them more space for the battery. The only consideration here is that the force touch hardware may add a slight layer of thickness which may affect the amount of space they have for the battery but apple's a smart company and they're not going to they're not going to decrease battery size without making sure that the efficiency gained from the new chips would mean that battery life would be the same or better yeah they would get you it know would what be, I'm it would be a problem um, and also ios 9 um which i've been using on the iphone 6 for a few months now promises one hour of better battery life over ios 8 just by existing like they've figured out how to make the os more efficient Mm -hmm. so the same hardware with the ios 9 is going to get a one hour upgrade you know that those are the kinds of things that they can do in hardware and software combined yeah so joel's dropping questions here like a like a bomb so apple tv ran ios i think I think it does i don't think it's i i think it's a similar thing to how ios is just a variant of of like osx i think that it does yeah. run ios in some way for all I think intents and purposes explicit they're the same thing even if the presentation layer is different um yeah oh i have not played you don't know jack of my xbox uh, yeah i don't even know they had it but i'm definitely going to buy it right after um, this right after i throw out the gear live <laughs> i'm going to play xbox the uh, acer jade primo now is that I think that he's I think he's being a troll. Okay. Cause I was like, is that the phone that I, I said looked like an asshole yesterday? No, that was the uh Acer Predator. Oh yeah, the Acer Predator looks Six. like an asshole. It does kind of look like an asshole. Uh um, there's no ch- is Sheldon. there a chat room Sheldon's you can join asking, Sheldon? 
Should be should BlackBerry concentrate on the enterprise, make excellent mobile devices in that space, and allow these devices to bleed over into the wild organically? Yes. Uh, well, I think that's basically what they did back in the early and mid two thousands, and people just happened to like them, yeah, and they became a bit more mainstream. So I think they, I don't think they will ever do that again because they really they can't do it again. iPhone and Android are just. Uh, too dominant. I think they're doing it now. I think they're doing it now. They're, they're... We'll see. I mean, I don't think the iPhone. I don't think the the Android based BlackBerry devices are in any are any any risk of selling in huge quantities. No, but they should focus on enterprise and just let what happens happen with the devices, rather than try to be a consumer company ever again. Um, Sheldon, um, is the, it the one chat room? The, the one. So we have a we have a process question here. Is there a chat room I could join, or do I just hit the green ask a question button at the bottom right? I don't know how any of this works, so I'm going to say keep asking questions because we see those. I think you're doing it right. Yeah. Um, I th- Mike just asked the word Samsung. Uh, if you're still listening, Mike, I don't know what that means. But the answer is no. The answer is no. And I would like a smartwatch when it replaces my smartphone with a nice earpiece. So, uh, so here, here's the thing. Um, our, our friend and, and colleague Tom Emmerich is like the wearable guy. He's a cyborg. Um, I didn't even... I, I, like. Um, yeah, I, I think that he's talked about uh, hearables quite a lot. Hearables mm-hmm. are a category of wearable that obviously you, you put in your ear. The Moto Hint was uh, a good example of that, but there's a bunch coming out this year and next year. One of them was a Kickstarter project called Dash, and it's a pair of headphones. They're independent, so they rest separately in both of your ears, and uh, they do a whole bunch of stuff. So it's it's sort of like um, uh, Star Trek, when you tap on the, you know, they tap on their ear and they're, or, well, I guess they tap on their, on their, uh. Wow, you just know nothing their, about Star Trek. Well, I, I know that they tap on their, <laughs> on their, um, uniform. Their communicator? And they're like, computer, warp speed. Or they're like, Crusher, come in here, I need a blowjob. Oh, man. Right? Right? Man. Patrick Stewart? And so, the better corollary would be the movie Her, where the guy carries around essentially and track wheel iPody kind of smartphone with an earpiece that narrates the activity so he doesn't have to be staring at a screen all the time or the great Ender's Game uh series of books where Ender has a giant network supercommunicator in an earpiece that keeps him in the know about stuff so yeah that would be way better than us looking at screens all the time but uh wait 200 years um Joel, I don't believe you. Oh I think God. you're a huge so troll. I, no, I, I, <laughs> I, I believe him now because I'm looking it up, and I, I hadn't even heard of this. Um, but it's, oh, right. Joel is uh, a big Windows fan. I remember from the comments now. Um, this uh, runs Windows 10 Mobile. And what does it say? It adds Continuum, a feature that detects which type of Windows device you're using and configures the operating system accordingly. Right, because Windows 10 Mobile will scale to, to multiple screen sizes. Um, it's funny how little information was given about this phone. Um, but it, I think it's the first Windows 10 Mobile device announced officially, which is kind of cool. I'm Are you here. still here, Douglas, or did I did I make I'm, you I'm just still disappointed that uh, by... you didn't know that it was called a communicator. Also, then I'm just thinking <laughs> about Ender's Game and all the was it was it the all the what the follow up books? 
They're around here somewhere. Great reads. Great reads. Um, I, I have my own uh, sci-fi loves. Um, there's a Toronto-based sci-fi writer called uh, Robert Sawyer, who um, I've, I've always just loved his books. And he has an amazing trilogy called The Hominids Trilogy. Um, uh, and it's basically an alternate universe where they find a wormhole in Sudbury, Ontario, that leads to an, another universe where Neanderthals became the dominant species rather than um, Homo Sounds sapiens. like true crime. And uh, it's so good. It's so, Suck so it, Sudbury. Good. It's like, it's one of those, um, it's one of those trilogies that you just devour in like two days. It's called The Neanderthal Parallax, uh, Robert J. Sawyer. Um, and uh, it's, it's amazing. So definitely go out and buy it. Sudbury is such an ugly um, place that it can be the setting of uh, astronaut trials for the moon landing and a sci-fi story. Yeah, I'm from Sault Ste. Marie. What, Sudbury? What are you going to do about it? <laughs> um, what was I saying? I don't even know. Now I'm just thinking about reading yeah. that book again. We'll, we'll, all, we'll all jack together, then we'll read sci-fi. Oh my god, this is such not a safe-for-work podcast. But everyone's tuning in from work because we're doing it Friday morning instead of Thursday afternoon. Long I know, weekend. I love this. I think we should pot on Friday mornings all the time. Good. Nobody's working right now. Um, okay, let's, let's finish this off by talking about Rogers. Um, I got a big scoop uh, that I'm pretty proud of on the weekend, and um, it was all about Rogers' new Share Everything Plus plan. Basically, what happened was Rogers decided that instead of competing directly with TELUS and Bell in terms of pricing, they're going to slightly increase the prices of their low and mid-tier plans, but add the option of bundling either Show Me for two years, Spotify for two years, or Next Issue Canada for two years. And... uh they changed around a bunch of their higher end plans. So instead of offering a two gigabyte plan, they now offer a 2.5 gig plan. Instead of offering a three gig plan, um, no, they instead of offering a four gig plan, they now offer a four and a half gig. I'm sorry, I'm all wrong. Uh, anyway, they now have five gigs instead of six. They now have nine gigs instead of 10, and they cap off at 15 instead of 30. Long story short, you're basically paying a little bit more except in the high end. So the 9-gig plan is only a couple dollars more than the 6-gig plan used to be, uh, and you get these great features. I'm a big fan of this, actually. I'm not going to lie. I think that they're doing the right thing here. Um, they need more money. Uh, people are they, they're enjoying these, these value adds. Um, they, you know, I, I get tired of people saying that uh, they're, they're paying too much for their mobile uh, phone I'm service I'm paying too much for my mobile phone we have service the best in Canada. We have the best networks in the world. The best Paying networks in the world. Thank you for charging okay, me more fair. for less data and giving me a bunch of stuff that I don't want. If no one's competing on price, then they're not competing. And it's frustrating. Well, they're adding new things. I'm, I'm not... I, look, I, I know that I come across as an apologist for the, for the big three. And I, I do. I, I agree that I, you know, we, pay, we pay too much. But I also think that we get so much in terms of service. And I'm not talking about customer service. Rogers, Bell, Rogers and Bell still need to improve their customer service. TELUS is getting better. Um, 
but in terms of the networks, and I'm really talking about just the, 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 the fact that I can get 100 megabit LTE basically anywhere I go in the country is, is incredible. And whenever I go to the U.S., and I travel to the U.S. all the time, even on AT&T, even on the, the, the country's second biggest network, it sucks. It just, the, the, the service sucks. And every time somebody complains about the Canadian networks being too expensive, I say, you spend the exact same amount in the U.S. and you get way worse Well, they're service. also servicing one-tenth the population in the United States. That doesn't matter. No, no, no. That's, that's not fair. Because we're talking about areas that have the same density. So I'm talking about Vancouver. I'm talking about Toronto. I'm talking about Montreal. We have the same density, and that's no excuse. So, so they, then, if, the if, if they have to charge have us a little bit to back more to keep their network so great, why did they lower the data caps? They're they're not. They're changing the data caps. You can still buy. It's it's about uh, it's uh, gigabytes uh, per dollar essentially. How much are they paying you? Oh, they're they're paying me quite a lot actually. Um, so what was I saying? Um, and recently, Public Mobile actually did a soft launch. So they have um, they have a new system now where you bring your own device, and uh, you can sign up for text only, voice only, or data only, and then you get discounts based on how many of those three that you subscribe to. But they don't sell phones, and as a result, they get um, you're 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 basically not paying mm-hmm. for the overhead. Similar to what um, we discussed with Wind last week, right? It's, it's a similar thing to Wind last week. And, and what's interesting about the, the Rogers thing and the public um, plans is that Rogers is moving more towards a financing system than they ever have. And I think Bell and Telus will likely follow suit. So what happens is if you pay more for your phone up front, you pay less per month on your plan. So they're, they're saying if you want to spend, you know, $100 and get $500 in subsidy on a $600 phone, you can spend more on your monthly plan. But if you, if you want to spend $300 up front on a $600 phone, then uh, you can get $10 a month off and save $240 over two years. So, I mean, the, the math is still confusing. But at the end of the day, buying, spending more for your phone up front gets, nets you a, a larger discount over, over time. And obviously, this is an interest-free financing system, so it doesn't really affect you. If you have the money to spend up front, I would obviously recommend doing that. But um, Publix offerings are, are not quite as generous as I would have hoped uh, in terms of data, but they're still, they're still quite cheap if you want, like, um, well, quite cheap. They're relatively cheaper compared to the big three. Comments? Suggestions. Uh, I just hit that wall where not having coffee uh, two hours ago is actually killing me now. And I just get so okay. depressed, man. I get depressed when it's just like, oh, bring out your dead. Time to pay more money. So you don't consider the mobile phone in your pocket the lifeblood of, of, of what you do? No, like, I consider this hat to be the lifeblood of what I do. But I just I, I don't I don't understand when people get so worked up about something that they rely okay, on. So here here's why. It's because we rely on it 
and the price increases and the changes seem completely arbitrary and are not reinforced by an experience of the service. And regardless of whether or not that that's the actual cost required to make this ship run, we never see competition on price, right? Um, And that's because there's three companies (laughs) that dictate what price is going to be and choose instead to compete on services, which costs them nothing amortized over their large conglomerate networks, right? So I would love to see just someone say, hey, you know what? This is what we can give you for this price. Don't worry about anything else. And I would have the option to choose between Share Plus, Service Plus, Super Duper Edition. And just like, hey, this thing that I need every day, which I crazy rely on, costs this much, and it won't change until it needs to. Well, they're not changing. Okay, so first of all, uh, they're not going to arbitrarily increase the, the cost of your plan. So that's not allowed. They can't do it under the wireless code of conduct. So that's not even a... It's not even an argument. Second of all, um, I, I get, and my biggest issue is the price discrepancies between provinces. That is my biggest issue. I am fine. I am okay paying as much as I do because I rely on my service as much as I do. Okay? Maybe I have a different opinion, and I get people, um, they, want, they want reliable service for cheap, and I totally understand that, and I want them to have it. I want Win Mobile to become the fourth carrier in Ontario, Alberta, and British Columbia that they, that they need to be. And I think that it's ridiculous that Rogers, Bell, and TELUS compete in areas that they only have competition like uh, Quebec, Manitoba, and Saskatchewan. That is an acknowledged point, and I will not cede that. I, I totally understand that. But what I'm saying is that when it comes to value, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about value to me personally. Right? It's there are a few things that I'm willing to pay for in this life. I'm I'm willing to pay for good cell service, good coffee, and good food. And I think that, you know, instead of arguing that everything should be lower, we need to understand that what we're getting is considerably of, of considerably higher quality than many countries. Has the in cost the world. of your food increased by fifty to seventy five percent in the last six years? <laughs> No, but the cost of my cell phone plan hasn't increased by 50 to 70% in the last six years. Really? Yes, absolutely. Not 50%? 75 is just being crazy, but not 50% in like the last, really? So you're paying 120 plus six years ago? I was paying 90 six years ago. So literally it increased by 50%. Yeah, 40. and ha- has your, has your mobile experience changed in any significant way since like I don't know 2010? And I don't I not say what you can do on a mobile. I'm saying your experience of mobile service changed in any significant way since like 2010 or whenever Wi-Fi became commonplace on phones. Absolutely not. Uh, yeah, absolutely. LTE for one thing. The ability to basically run an entire business on your phone, having enough uh, of a pipe to do that. Um, the ability to make a call. When, when I was paying $90 for, 
four years ago, I could only call within my province for 200 minutes a month. So, yeah, I mean, having the ability to call across Canada and the U.S. Um, has also considerably increased my productivity. Plus the fact that I have triple the amount of data. I mean, like, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that it sucks that I'm, it, it doesn't suck that I'm paying more, but I also am getting more for what I paid and I'm willing to pay it, period. I would just like the option. I just want, I just want the option to go about it a different way. And Mike, so Grant, Mike's talking about grandfathered plans and the, yeah, and they're great. the extent and, to and which, and I held, I've held on to, I held on to that friggin' plan for like four years. And it just reached like reached a point where it was not sustainable to be on that grandfathered plan anymore because they make it very, very difficult for you to stay on a grandfathered plan because they will not honor changes to the wireless code of conduct unless you're on a new plan. So they, so the, uh, um, no, that's, that's, uh, well, that, that's true, but yeah, um, it is the, the wireless code of conduct now applies to everybody. So uh, that's that's actually, uh, even though you're on a grandfather plan, um, technically everybody in Canada is now under the uh, protection of the wireless code of conduct as of the as of June. 3rd, yeah, I know. I I, they they Indiana so. Jones slid under the wire and got me on that. So, but yeah, it's just I just want, and I get I get the th- that you have specific things that you're willing to pay. A fair amount of money for for high quality, and I get that. I'm exactly the same way. I, I'd rather pay for uh, reasonable amounts for great experiences than the the bargain bin experience. I just don't think that this the relationship that I have with this these companies are similar to the relationship I have with the other quality products that I get to buy. Um, what relationships do you have with other companies? The one where. If you know every every six months, it's a totally different. Like you, you are you. Do you ever feel like you're getting screwed by your coffee? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, occasionally if they burn the roast, but like it's a it's a consistent thing, right? Coffee's also increased in price a lot. I used to pay fifty. I, I used to pay twelve dollars a pound for a good a good uh, roast, like five or six years ago. Now I pay $20 for three quarters of a pound, but I'm okay with that because I'm willing to, to go without other things in order to get these, uh, these things that I, I really care about. I'm willing to get na- you know, no-name brand um, milk or eggs T-shirts. or whatever. I mean, like, I, trust, I trust that those, ish- those industries, but I mean, at the same time, I get it because those industries are regulated. You know, those industries have... Um, you know, they have lobbyists, but they're also regulated. So I know that if I'm buying eggs in Ontario or milk in Ontario, that even though there's a huge, hugely protectionist group of people that, that want to uh, charge tariffs to, to companies, you know, importing eggs and milk from other con- countries, maybe those are bad examples. But Well, just go by the um, coffee. There know, are least- a thousand different places to buy coffee. Not only by the cup, but even by the bag in the city of Toronto. Sure, but if I mean, okay, but fine. But if you get if you get uh, a coffee from you know a coffee time, or uh, you know some you know McDonald's, like you're paying less for the coffee, and that's fine if you're if you're okay with that. I don't like that coffee. Uh, I could go 
to a cheaper mobile service provider. I, it's, it's there. I, I could do it. I could go to wind. I, I could, but I don't want to. And we, had, we have this argument every week. It means more to me to spend four times what wind charges because that extra money means that my life, I don't have to think about my, my mobile totally. phone plan. No, and I get that. But what I'm saying is I'm caught up in your decision-making process or the decision-making process that you're okay with because my only other alternative is wind. There is an uncanny valley between your desire for, like, I just want, I, this means so much to me, I want the best, and you're going to get what you're going to get. And that's because there's no, like, the, the healthiest industries of ca- capitalism are ones in which there is, a, like, a sliding scale of options at certain price points for services, right? Not, well, it's not going to work outside of the, the city, and you probably need to be on Wi-Fi all the time. And you're paying 120 to $150 a month just to use a modern phone. Like there's this, there's, well, there is a space for something in between that. And right now with only three companies able to provide that we, they just don't get it. Cause they don't have to, cause they can, they can tack on another service and up the price or, or lower the, lower the data per price. And they don't have to worry about someone else coming in and saying, well, that's cool. If people want that, they can get that. But we're going we're gonna to flip the script and do it this way. And that's what's frustrating is that there's no opportunity for someone else to come in and do these things. And we've, we've that, gone through to, very, I mean, like, that, that to is, a great extent to explain the, the logistics of why that is the case, regulatory, technical, and all that. But it's, it doesn't make me like them doing that because they can. You don't have to like them. Uh, but I'm... I think that you are also, I think most, com- most Canadians go into the argument framing it as they're getting ripped off instead of appreciating how much better their plans are or their, um, their service is. If you look at it from the perspective of a, uh, if you look at it from the, okay, here, here's what I do. I, I often try to get the cheapest, um, a roaming plan when I or a cheapest local data sim when I go to mm-hmm. the U.S. and roam mobility tethers on on T-Mobile. T-Mobile's okay in some parts of the country, but even roam mobility says if you go out of the the downtown area of basically any large city, you're going to be on edge, and you have to acknowledge that, and that's okay. You can acknowledge that. In Canada, uh, you can basically go into any city in the country and get decent LTE service now on any of the th- big three. But you're also not able to spend only $4 a day on that for that option. I totally agree with you that there needs to be that middle ground, that uncanny, uncanny valley is far too stark in most provinces. I 100% agree with you there. I'm talking about it from a personal value perspective. Totally. That... Um, it makes sense for me to spend this much, and it makes it makes sense for people. If you if you go on a streetcar, people are using their phone. If you go to a bank, people are using their phone. If you go anywhere in the country, people are using their phone, and it is it is quickly becoming an essential. No, I understand service. that. I and I completely agree. Because, like, man, I buy Apple products. I pay more for quality of design beyond beyond function. It's just, but if I wasn't one of those people, I could buy 
so many other different types of laptops. And this isn't just that scenario. And it's frustrating. It's frustrating being totally. the being a, a a type of consumer that I don't want to be because I don't have any other choice. Uh, I think I think we uh, have to end there. It's almost at an hour and a half, and yeah. once we hit that uh, one hour, GarageBand explodes. That ninety minute mark, you turn into a pumpkin, and GarageBand decides to kick us out. Uh, but I think that's actually a good place to to end this week because uh, next week uh, we'll inevitably talk be talking about the the prices of the new iPhones. And that will lead us into this argument again, mm-hmm. right? Like, because Joel makes a really good point. There are so many great options for mid-range handsets. Why are there no great options for mid-range price plans? So I think, you know, I am willing to admit that I'm wrong. I also have an extremely biased look at this because this is what I do. I could not do my job without the high-speed you're not, LTE You're not uh, wrong, networks. man. You're not wrong. I totally get your no, no, value no, I, proposition. I, I know I'm not wrong, but I'm also... I also have a very, very, very skewed perspective on this yeah. industry. I, I, by necessity, you and I have a very skewed perspective. And I think that I, I, acknowledge, I have to acknowledge that. Otherwise, there is, um, there's, you know, the people accusing me of, of being biased, they're, they're absolutely right. But I'm biased because I, I have to be, because that perspective is enforced by what it's I a, do yeah, It's a every function day. of your job. We are so the 1%. Let's, let's continue this conversation. Uh, next week we'll have uh, we'll have new iPhones to talk about. We'll have new iPads to talk about. We'll have a new Apple TVs to talk about, and we'll have a lot more uh, in terms of uh, these these really interesting conversations. Uh, thank you everybody for tuned in live. Joel Rushworth for your great questions. Micah Trail for your great questions. Uh, <laughs> Alex Kinsella for your troll questions. We appreciate everybody who tunes in every week. And if you have any suggestions for us, if you have any comments, uh, as Douglas said while I was killing the ant. <laughs> please, please leave a comment on iTunes uh, with a rating. We love, we love hearing back from you. That's it for this week. We will see you on the next Zerocast. Take care.